Hello, this is Jamie. And this is Heather. And welcome to Using Our Inside Voice, a podcast where we awaken to the extraordinary meaning of everyday mundane life by passing it through a particle collider of different and differing perspectives. Today is the day that we interview Amelia Earhart. And Jamie's going to bring her through. She's going to channel her through. I'm going to use my hypnosis skills to help her connect, to make that connection. And Jamie is going to bring through Miss Amelia Earhart, who we may be the only two excited (laughs) to hear from this person. But I promise once you hear the interview, I I think it will spike interest from people. You just have to give it a chance. Amelia Earhart isn't like, you know, we're channeling Michael Jackson or Walt Disney. Amelia Earhart is is not one of those. She's kind of a niche historical figure. And I just have a feeling that most people will be like, huh, Amelia, Amelia Earhart? I, I don't know. But, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, Michael Jackson or Walt Disney could be next. You never know. Well, and that's what I'm thinking. I mean, originally when we had this idea several months ago, it was we were thinking Walt Disney. But um Amelia came forward. And if Amelia came forward, like I've said in our Instagram posts throughout these past few weeks while we've been talking about this, if Amelia came forward, she came forward for a reason. Reason, Yeah. And it wasn't just for me. She came forward for you, too, or at least got reconfirmed for you. Yeah. Actually, she came through for me a few months ago. Um, Well, actually, mm, probably more like last year, uh, she came through for me with revelations that I had about my own personal quest for um, or my own attraction to the idea of being a treasure hunter and how that connected. I had connections from when I was very little. I wanted to be an archaeologist and then a paleontologist, but I always wanted to discover things. Sure. And so Amelia Earhart came through again and that that sort of historical mystery interest was piqued again. And so when you brought up Amelia Earhart for me, it wasn't a surprise completely. Got it. Yeah, this is uh this is going to be interesting. Yeah. I can already feel her like at the door. Yeah, I've been feeling her ever since we brought her up. She's like, "I'm ready. Let's do this." She feels very much like clapping the hands. Let's get down to business. There's there's work to do here. I'm like, "Really? Amelia Earhart has work? Okay. Let's the, yeah. let's freaking do it. Let's do it." All right. Get this experimental rolling. All right. So uh, what's going to happen now is I'm going to take Jamie in, as they say, and we will be back uh, in just a heartbeat. And Jamie should be in full trance and hopefully we'll have connected to the person we mean for her to connect to. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So were we right? In our feeling that you came knocking on our door spiritually for a reason. I think someone sent me to you. Interesting. Do you know who? I'm not sure yet. I haven't thought about that. Hmm. This is interesting, though. How so? I've only felt this a few times before. And it's been a while. Can you describe for me what it feels like? It's a little like looking through binoculars, I guess. Hmm. It feels a little odd. Do you have any idea why it feels odd? Well, I know I'm stepping into someone who's still living. Mm -hmm. 
and she feels close to me, so it feels all right. Do you know why she feels close to you? This side, it feels like family, I'm gonna guess. When have you felt this feeling before? You said it felt familiar that you had felt it a few times. A while ago, it seems. Something similar happened. I feel like I get pulled in a certain direction all of a sudden. And then I feel like I'm a part of someone else. We're speaking to someone else who's still living. So this feeling that it feels familiar happened when you were not living? Yeah. Mm. And when you say a while, what's your experience of time like? Don't really have much use for time Mm -hmm. anymore. Just feels peaceful here most of the time. And did you have any sort of meeting or energetic connection preparing you for this experience? I could feel being pulled. It felt like that before. Like being pulled in a certain direction that I don't have much control over. And did that feeling of being pulled come with any kind of an idea of an agenda, a reason why you in particular were being pulled? I always feel like it's supposed to help, like I'm helping someone. Mm. So I have a list of questions that we've prepared to ask you. Is it all right if I ask those questions now? Sure, although it feels like something else is happening, like I'm coming closer. But I can hear you. Okay. Well, can maybe you as hear we can... me okay? Oh, I can hear you just fine. And okay. I'm sure as we continue, you'll come even closer. So what was the purpose of coming in with that arguably rebellious nature? It had to serve a purpose spiritually. What was the purpose? I just always wanted to be free. I wanted to explore everything. I wanted to try everything. And it didn't make any sense that only certain people should get to try certain things in life. So I wanted to go out and see and do as much as I could. It was just a spirit inside me that wanted to just get up and go. Did you feel comfortable inside your body? I didn't much like people telling me what I could or couldn't do. And as a girl, that seemed to be an awful lot of things that I could or couldn't do, especially things that I couldn't do, because I was supposed to act like a lady. And I think that's silly. (laughs) So... That made me uncomfortable sometimes. Living up to other people's expectations felt uncomfortable sometimes. Mm -hmm. Not being able to be free felt uncomfortable sometimes. If that's what you're asking. It's good enough. Did you feel like you had someone guiding you throughout your life. I did feel a comfort when I passed on. It felt like 
there was already something waiting for me mm-hmm. that felt familiar and lovely. And that made everything all right. Did you have a, a mentor in your lifetime, a living mentor? Mm. I did. I had a few, I guess you'd say. I had some lovely teachers in school who encouraged me to stick with my studies and go further and do what I wanted. I was very enamored with the women who were fighting so hard for equal rights when I was younger that got us the vote. I appreciated that very much. And I suppose I wanted to continue that work in some way. I wanted to contribute to that as well. Mm-hmm. And there were other lady flyers as well that I looked up to. So sure, I had mentors in life. We never hear about the other lady flyers. We just hear about you. Hmm. We actually had a club. There were several of us that would get together and fly and talk about the planes and how to rig a your seat so you could actually reach all the gears. I was lucky I I had some height on me, so it wasn't as hard. But if you weren't the right size as as a man, it could make it difficult to reach certain instruments or to read certain instruments because you just didn't have the length to grab things or you couldn't see very well. Some ladies had to fix their seats and put extra padding in their seats so they could sit upright enough to see the instruments clearly Mm -hmm. so that their arms wouldn't get tired. Booster seats. Yes. I suppose that would be it. I got to play with children when I was younger that didn't come from wealthy families. And I always felt badly that they didn't have the same kind of care that I did. And then when we got a little older and we came on some difficult times, I felt like even we didn't maybe have as many people looking out for us as some children did. 
and I felt like I especially wanted to teach the girls that they could go off and do whatever they wanted to. And why did you become a nurse with the Red Cross? Well, during the time of war, it was really the only thing that I could do if you wanted to help. You could only be a soldier if you were a man. So if you were a lady and you wanted to help, you had to be a nurse. So that's what I did. Hmm. How did that period uh, during the war affect you? I felt horrible for some of the young men that we were seeing. So young. So much life ahead of them. So much taken away. I suppose it made me angry in some ways. But it almost made me jealous in some ways too that they got to get out of their little towns and see things that a lot of people would never see. I just wish it hadn't have been under the circumstances of war. What made you want to decide to fly planes? I love to hear the sound of the planes taking off. It was such a rush. It felt like a hundred birds swooping down low, right past your ears. And I just wanted to fly. I wanted to know what it was like to be up there in the clouds with the birds, free from everything that was happening down below. Getting to be off in your own world, exploring things that other people hadn't seen, seeing the world from a new place. So what part of flying did you like the most? I liked the challenge of it. And I liked the independence of it. I liked knowing a thing that not everyone else knew. I enjoyed seeing new things finding new places. Everything looks different from way up above. Everything looks smaller and bigger at the same time. And it felt powerful to wield a machine up in the air.
Am I remembering correctly that you actually flew out of Glendale uh, Grand Central Airport? Yes. Yes, I did. Because I live particularly close to there, so I was wondering what do it felt know? like. I do, I do. So what did it feel like in those days? What was the vibe over at Glendale Grand Central? They made quite a fuss over ladies taking off from that field. What kind of fuss? If I recall... Everything in those days was meant to be camouflaged mm -hmm. so that you couldn't tell what was around. And they only allowed certain types of planes to take off. And they were very strict about what routes you could fly and what speed you could fly at, and what altitude you could fly at. So it wasn't easy. Did you receive any support from the male flyers of the time? <laughs> <laughs> very few. Very, very few. I suppose there were a few fellows that saw me as one of the boys. I could hold my own, but that took a while. And they didn't particularly care for the fact that I ran with a crowd of lady flyers. Mm. So it was hard. You had to learn how to speak their language. And you had to know your equipment very well. Well, they just didn't respect you at all. But I guess that's to be expected. Hi. Can you hear me? Oh, you're frozen. It might be my internet. Can you hear me? Jamie Jameson? Y'all, we are having some technical difficulty. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is our fourth restart. And luckily on the last one, we only got into seven minutes of conversation before it dumped us. Um, but essentially what we think is happening, we don't actually think it's a technical difficulty. We think it's a spiritual overload. A spirit energy issue. Yeah. There's just too much energy, um, coming through. Now, the last time, um, the time before last, when we had the technical quote unquote difficulty, um, <laughs> Jamie was left for the second time hanging out in trance. And spirit had a very interesting way of awakening her since I couldn't seem to do it. Yeah. So I had, I, all of a sudden I felt like I could see this green misty light and it almost like, I don't think I said this before, but it almost felt cartoony. 
like you know in the it was, it was, a, it was a 3d hand a 3d comes. green fog <laughs> it, it was like this weird green fog type mist type stuff that came really up in my face and all of a sudden it just felt like i was jolted awake like um like like I keep wanting to use the word zapped or something, but that sounds very unkind and painful. It, it wasn't <laughs> unkind or painful. It was just a little disorienting. Mm -hmm. So it would take me a second to kind of come back. And it was very interesting. The first time I had had absolutely no idea what was going on and I couldn't, I could see her, but I couldn't hear her. So we kind of had to get back on track and start her up being recording again. Her being, being mean, not you. Amelia. Amelia's yeah. still hanging out. No, no, Amelia's hanging out. She's fine. She's, She's ready cool. to be She's interviewed. Just... We're just trying to figure out how we're going to make that Holy happen when we keep cow. crashing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and then it happened again. At least that time, I kind of, once I came to, I knew what was going on, that we were just right. having issues again. Um, but, yeah, so I funny things commenced. As soon as I came out the second time, Amelia wanted to know why she sounded so slow. Mm -hmm. That was a question that immediately Which came I to mind. I wanted mine. to know, too. I wanted to know, too, because I was like, did she sound? I don't feel like she would have sounded that slow in life. And, and she said that she sounded like her friend Rebecca. And then she mentioned Savannah, Georgia. So I'm guessing her friend Rebecca came from Savannah, Georgia. She was from the South and maybe had a Southern drawl, which tends to like be take some time like you're sipping tea or yes like it was very much honey. it was very much like listening to someone swinging on the porch swing and sipping sweet tea it was very oh, Lord. <laughs> that sounds annoying. Yeah. um well it but, wasn't annoying it was just it took some patience good grief um <laughs> although i do know that i tend to sound slower in trance so yes. i'm not exactly surprised because it does kind of feel, I think, a little bit like, like things, like kind of like you're walking through mud. Mm -hmm. Very true. It's just and, taking and longer common. for the for the stuff to to make its way like out of your face hole. Well, it, you know what it is? It's <laughs> it, it's a deeper connection, really. It is. I, yeah. a, you're making you're making more of the journey to them, and when yeah. you're just when you're awake and channeling, they're making more of the journey to you. So yeah, it's, like it's, you're farther out of your consciousness when you're in trance. And so it takes a while for that information to funnel back through the physical body and come out, as you said, so eloquently through your face hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, but but right now it very much feels like it feels more like what I do in a medium capacity. Like when mm -hmm. somebody's loved one is passed and coming through, I can see her in my mind's eye and I can hear her. So she's a rock star. She's solid. She's here. It feels, it feels much faster doing it this way. So I don't know if it's better to do this way. I don't know. I don't know what I felt the difference was going to be between the two. It felt like something that I should try. Mm -hmm. So I definitely wanted to try it, but good grief if we're, if we're going to have this many difficulties. I, I hope the difficulties well, are, are the over. Thing is, is that, the thing is, is that I can't speak to the technical difficulties that we've experienced. Um, that might, 
that might work itself out in the process. We might have to record differently. Who knows? But as far as the slowness goes, I think that it's a practice thing. I think it's getting used to the energy and it's learning to gauge how far in versus how far out you are would be the difference. If you going forward don't feel that you're in need of doing the trance, then that's yeah ability too. I like going into trance personally because um, I like to experience who I'm channeling. Yeah, and I do too. I do too. Although it's it's a lot different because it I there's less of me involved. Let's put it that way. I'm mm -hmm. more out of the way. Mm -hmm. So you're getting a more direct connection but at the same time i feel like i'm all, like right now i feel very connected to her so mm -hmm. i feel very much like you know she's she's not i'm i'm not going to get in the way of her, her saying answers. whatever she wants to say sure um you know like i i have no i don't have any ego about like her saying why did i sound so slow <laughs> um I get a kick out of it too. So mm -hmm. I, you know, it doesn't bother me any, but I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it just takes some fine tuning and, you know, mm -hmm. that's kind of the thing. It's an experiment. Weird. What, what, what are I you saw a shadow on the wall in front of me, just to the side of me that uh -huh. looked like somebody walked past behind me. Uh -huh. And so I turned around to see if there was anybody behind <laughs> me and there was not. I suppose I could have actually just looked at the monitor and saw that there wasn't anybody behind me, but that's right. Weird. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, as you do when you're doing this sort of a thing, you just kind of roll with it, whatever weirdness comes up and happens. But um, uh, I will say yeah. that when I'm, when I go into trance, I haven't had much experience with it, quite honestly, because as a facilitator, I don't have anyone who facilitates for me. Um, so the one time that I did have someone to facilitate for me and I was able to sort of find that place where you can gain more depth in terms of the experience. Because the first time I went into trance, I wasn't really in trance. I was on a, a much what I would consider to be a shallow, I was still connected. I was still getting the answers that I wanted, but I was in just a, a shallower state of consciousness where I was more connected to physical realm and everything that was occurring in it. And while I was able to ignore what was occurring in it, I was very much aware of what was occurring in it. The second time I had someone take me into trance, uh, my goal was to go deeper. And just setting the goal of going deeper meant that I was releasing my own obligations to knowing what's happening in my environment and trying to take in everything. I could, the first time I kind of wanted to experience both sides at the same time, which I mm -hmm. did. However, you know, warning for any of you out there who would like to try a QHHT or trans experience through hypnosis, you can, you, you can't have it both ways without those ways suffering. Yeah, you're true. you're split between two worlds. And I made the conscious decision to be split the first time. But the second time I made the conscious decision to go deeper. And when I went deeper, everything slowed down. It felt very sluggish. It felt very much like walking through, like you said, mm -hmm. mud, um, but not in an unclear way, just in a slow slog. Everything feels very heavy when you're in trance. But I wanted to experience 
the feeling of it so that when I had people come to me, I could explain to them what my experience was to kind of sure. give them a, a sort of a marker to achieve. Because I had no idea what you were somnambulistic from the very first time. You were, oh, Jamie's going to, Jamie's out the building. She's left the building and whoever I'm talking to now has come in. I was not like that at all. I was very much in control. And even when I was in deep trance the second time, I was still facilitating my own session. I was like, oh, that's funny. Okay. And then I'd answer the way it was coming through. And then I'd be like, mm -hmm. but wait, if that, if that means that, what does that mean? Sure. Anyway, long story short, it's different for everybody. And this is an interesting process. I think uh, the other thing that I'm noticing is that, okay, so when I am, when I am coming at it from the angle of just straight mediumship, like I am right now, it's like having another person, you know, sitting across from you and you're just relaying what they're saying. Right. When I am in trance, when I'm in trance, what it feels like is not only I'm, <laughs> it's a little harder to process because I'm also, I am experiencing their, like their thought process. Mm -hmm. Like I'm experiencing memories. I'm seeing, I'm. I'm it's like I'm seeing stuff from inside their head. Are you having weirdness on your end too? I don't know because I'm wearing these headphones, but I just heard a knocking sound, which could I clearly did too. be on the I front door, but I, I don't No, it didn't sound like an it didn't sound like a knock. It sounded like something fell over. Nothing fell over, but that was it startled me. That's I didn't weird. see anyone come up the walkway. I'm I'm shook, y'all. <laughs> this has I'm been shook. a really interesting i don't know how i'm going to edit this this is going to be <laughs> i wish you much luck uh, this um, is gonna be interesting um we'll see how much we'll see how much of the actual regression portion i get in there and then how much is going to be this and how much is going to be us like moving forward and asking asking the other questions i had a feeling it would kind of work out that way i didn't think it was going to be as straightforward as recording all the way through however i did not see that coming as a result of technical difficulties yeah this is it's it's Freaking interesting y'all i'm still freaked out <laughs> i don't know what that was <laughs> like i don't see anything like a lot of times i'll like i can i can see things well no because it happened it happened the other I know, side. I on know, on the other side. I, yeah. I, I can tell it happened on the other side. It happened on the other side and it would have happened to the right of you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think your shadow person came over here for a minute. And... <laughs> <laughs> I okay. think she's straddling the line a little bit, to All be right. honest. Well, I mean, I ask, she can, ask, was, I, was that Amelia? Like, what are we dealing with right now? I think she's playing. She feel it feels like she's playing with whatever it is that she's been sucked into. She's it having feels like an adventure. <laughs> she's having an adventure. So, um, so right right now, what I'm getting is that she's trying to figure out what she can do as well. Right. She's listening in, 
and she's trying to figure out how she can contribute and how how close she is to me and how she can come through and i think she's trying to figure out how to not necessarily mess with the equipment because i feel like she understands that to a particular extent well that would make sense um it just feels very um i feel like she's hopscotching it feels like she's hopscotching on my head um (laughs) which by the way i don't mind i'm just saying it's it all of a sudden it feels very um heavy it feels lighter on my end if she feels sure it does she's standing on my head um okay here's the thing this is very common from my experience when i was working with my other partner um when we would go into trance sessions like this and channel whoever we were channeling, usually at that time, it would be the Galactic Federation of Light. Um, when we would do that and we would come out after, especially after having some sort of technical difficulty, it was very common to have physical manifestations on either side of the connection. And again, it was through the computer. It was a long distance connection. And so this is not new to me. This is all it's all coming back to me. This is absolutely <laughs> what now? What happened? Oh, well, it was just weird. All of a sudden, I remembered I remembered something that I, you said to her in like a conversation that you had while I was in trance. Okay, what was You it? mentioned what, what you that have? you you mentioned that you live close to the airfield. I did. Yes. Yes. She knows she knows your she knows your area. <laughs> of course she does. Yes, she's in my house. <laughs> she's like oh I know where that is let me just hop on over (laughs) well she was funny because when I mentioned it I I had the I had the inkling to mention it and when I had the idea to mention it her response was very funny because she was like oh do you like do you live close and yes yes I do clearly you understand how close now um but yeah it's very common during trance channeling through this hypnosis for there to be physical activity in the rooms. In fact, that's how we met Nell. And now I guess I have to tell the Nell story. So Nell was a little spirit that we actually picked up on the Queen Mary while we were paranormal investigating. Oh, sure. We didn't realize we had picked her up. Um, We knew that she existed, but we didn't really know who she was, why she was, what she was. And when I was working with this other friend of mine, Nell made herself known. And that's when I really met Nell. She, I named her Nell. She didn't have a name. She had incarnated on the planet once and decided she didn't want to do it again. And she's been sort of half-lifing it ever since. And she's got, she's straddling dimensions and she's sort of a, an energetic bridge between, um, I, I guess the best way to say it is that, you know, she's sort of mostly in the fourth dimension and sort of has one foot in the fifth and the third in order to make that connection. But she came through and actually rang my friend's doorbell at 2 a.m. Now, (laughs) the cool thing about this story is that he didn't hear it because he had headphones on, but I heard it through his mic and my eyes got really big and he looked at me like, what's happening? And I said, "Uh, dude, someone just rang your doorbell. He's like at two in the morning. I'm like, promise, I just heard your doorbell. He's like, I've never heard the doorbell. And I'm like, why haven't you heard the doorbell? He's like, I don't know. It never occurred to me. But I, thinking back on it, I've never heard the doorbell. I'm like, well, you better check because it's two in the morning and someone's at your front door. That's scary. So he goes upstairs to check. No one's there. And on top of that, the doorbell is effing missing. 
What? Like the button <laughs> to press for the doorbell does not exist. It's a hole. And that's how we of, met Nell. I'm like, what sort of game of ding dong ditchum is that? That's right? A, like, she was and what what happened was she was asking she was asking to be invited in. Oh. That's well, what we found you out. Go. You know, she there was ringing go. the doorbell because that's what you do in the 3D to to mm -hmm. be allowed to come into your space, you ring the doorbell. And that's what she did. Turns out she had also given me a present. Um, she was the one who delivered that heart-shaped mylar balloon that uh oh yeah i remember that appearing in my front yard that walked towards me when i went out to examine it and <laughs> that's i guess right. i have to tell that story now too um i think you did in one of the other episodes i think we I went know, over the heart-shaped balloon i remember it well long story short the past episodes yeah long story short it appeared in my front yard may was barking at it i went to investigate and it walked towards i asked it i said okay if you're here from spirit can you come towards me? And it literally walked towards me at my request. And I thought, okay, this is one of those instances where I'm effing losing my mind. So I'm going to pretend I didn't see any of this. And I'm going to go to the gym. I left. I went to the gym. And while I'm at the gym, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I said, all right, if you really were from spirit, then be gone when I get home. Like, gone. And I got home. It's nowhere to be found. I searched the front yard. I searched the side yards. I searched down the street. This Mylar balloon has freaking disappeared. Now, it only had a little bit of helium left in it, just enough to keep it hovering off the ground like an inch, right? So it couldn't have flown away. It had to have gotten blown away. But when I go inside, of course, the first thing I do is let May out in the backyard to do her business. And when I let May out in the backyard, what is at the back door waiting for me but the balloon that had walked towards me? Oh, Lordy. For the gym. That turned out to be Nell, too. So I've had experiences where when spirit, when you connect with spirit through trance, for some mm -hmm. reason it creates a stronger connection and they are more able to play in your environment, which is both fascinating and just a wee bit skeevy because <laughs> you're not expecting it at first. And I think that's what's happening. Um, yeah. So I'm, I am now, and I, I'm not. I'm saying this because I want people to know, not because I want to skeeve you out further. Right. But I, am seeing, I am now seeing stuff over by the by the fireplace and the the side door. That is where like they right, go. Like that right in that area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It tends to be a spot where they it's I think it's a portal in your house. Yeah. Um, so so it's like it so for me it looks like kind of like glitches in the matrix. <laughs> Does it, it look like. kind of when it when you say glitches in the matrix? Do you mean kind of like the wibblies it, you get from a mirage? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. It kind of looks like the heat warble, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a yeah. shimmer, a shimmer. Uh, yeah, sure. yeah, like a like a shimmer, but it's a it's it's like a like a heat warble. It's like a miragey type of right deal. Yep. yep All right, yep, where yep, do we yep, go yep. from here? Do we do we continue on with a part two of Amelia's interview and and try to bring her back in then, or do since she's here with us, do we continue asking the questions? I don't even know how long this is going to um, be so far. I I have no idea either. Let's let's go ahead and and I can always you know break it up or or okay. do something interesting with the edit. I don't know. Okay. Um, let's let's well let's see. Let's see. Throw let's into the wind. Let's. <laughs> Ask the next question and let's see which one of us wants to get the answer. <laughs> All right. So we were talking about her um, collaboration with the military and how it wasn't necessarily her idea. She didn't really want to do it. 
And I was asking her uh, how was, that. George set it up. Oh. George set it up. Why? Um, Because he knew that that would be an in for her, that she'd be able to get access to the things that she wanted. Okay, did it so kind of as a as a PR thing because that's what he was. He was originally he was he was her um, her PR guy. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so what I wanted and I to think know he was... had connections. Like he had, like I think he had friends. Is that yes? Well, he would have. So... He would have because it was you know it was coming up. Wasn't it coming up on wartime or it was already wartime yeah. in other parts of the world, and they would have been using him for propaganda purposes um so my question was going to be um what was the most contentious military relationship that she experienced if she could tell me that versus the most supportive so i think the most contentious would have been whenever she was on because a lot of the times the places where she was stopping especially in other countries were on military bases like because they that's basically that's that's what they were the ones that had put down the the runway the landing strip the you know the setup was there for them so it was kind of like you have permission to go in and out of here and i think especially when it was something where she was in another country and there wasn't necessarily a group of um uh what do you call it like dignitary type folks to you know make everybody play nice that that was gonna be the more difficult situations for her because she had to uh watch her mouth and be polite and be a lot more lady like than she would have wanted to be a little bit more propriety yeah, she had to watch her. She had to watch her step and watch her mouth and not say things. I kind that of would meant. I kind of meant specific people. people. I kind oh, of meant specifically? specific people, though. Like, was there a specific? I feel like there's a strong male sort of old boys club uh, mm-hmm. kind of. I feel like brigadier energy coming mm-hmm. from this person, and I just kind of wondered if if I was picking up on something, or if 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 not. I was just curious. I would say yes. I don't know if you're going to get a name out of her, though. Mm. Um, something that came through while you were answering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was writing down a note for one of our Instagram posts. And um, the note was, when spirit knocks. And then I realized that she had knocked inside my yeah. house. Like, yeah. she said, see, I was using your words to mm-hmm. me in my head that's what she's just I, I was using your words i'm like oh clever thank you <laughs> oh um uh shoot yeah so the god now what the hell is happening over there a lot a lot is happening over here because i just heard something yeah it sounded mm-hmm. like somebody talked no, somebody knocked in the hallway. Again? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> well, hi, Amelia. Uh, thanks for hanging Going out with forward, us. Going forward, Heather will be roommates with Amelia Earhart. Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I get the feeling 
Okay, this is going to sound really weird. I get the feeling like she's been Weirder in your house Weirder than anything before. else? Yeah, I feel like she's been in your house before. What? Why? Like, I think she's been in your house before. Well, I like, hear what you're saying to me, but why? Because she was visiting somebody else who used to live in no, that house way before you did. Have. She couldn't have. The house was built in 42. She was dead by then. Really? Yeah. What was there before? A field. Hmm. Yeah. Amelia, did you land in her house? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It feels like, well, that's weird. I just, I get the feeling like, she's not answering me, but I get the feeling like she's been in your house. Weird. I mean, Anyways, a lot of people have rolling, been in my house. This is true, but rolling right along. Yeah. Um, no, the, and it's so weird. Every time I go, she's doing this on purpose because every time I go to say his name, I can't remember his damn name, even though I've his, seen it a gazillion times. His name. Um, the so the gentleman that was along with them on the flight Noonan? up until the wreckage. No, not Noonan. The other uh, guy. The guy that was basically along that. Um, he was doing the navigating for the first half because they had put additional equipment on the plane that was supposed to help them get through the areas that were tough to right. get through when the weather was You crap. mentioned this last time. And uh, yeah, apparently they butted heads and she was really... He and Noonan? No, she he and, and him. He and Amelia, oh. And she wasn't exceptionally fond of him. Like he was good at what he did and everything, and she was mm -hmm. happy to have new technology, but she was not keen on that guy. And I get the feeling that they actually had a scuffle privately, mm. which really led to him. Like the plane had crashed, everybody was fine, but the plane had crashed uh on one of their takeoffs and then had to be repaired and i feel like she had words with him and he was not happy about it and it was that that made him say screw this i'm not doing it anymore mm. uh more than the crash i don't have to listen to a woman yeah kind of that sort of a thing mm -hmm. um I feel like I can access a little bit more than she wants me to right now <laughs> about that in particular. I'm not, yeah. I still can't think of his name, but I feel like I'm picking up on the argument that they had. Mm -hmm. And I, okay, I'll be nice. I, okay. you, does that mean you're going to respect a boundary? I'm going to respect a boundary. She oh, doesn't want me to talk Come about on, it. Come on, Amelia. He's dead too. Yeah, she knows. <laughs> um, but can she tell us more about Rebecca? Who is Rebecca? A friend of hers that apparently she flew with that was in the one of the flying clubs. Oh, one of the. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah. yeah, I didn't know if it was childhood or. Yeah, I don't get a. I don't get a last. Jesus. Woo! She has like stuff around saying names. Because I just got like the most <coughs> like driest dry throat. Like, <laughs> <hold on. coughs> okay, I'm not gonna mention names. 
<laughs> I mean, she started oh. it, just to be clear. So, okay, so let's continue with our questions that were on your list. Um, you okay. wanted to know if she had ever seen anything extraterrestrial in nature on her flights. Oh. So very interesting. Um, I can see her flying. Mm -hmm. And I can see a bright flash hmm. in front of it's like, but it's like foggy, like she's uh, flying through inclement weather and she can see, but she can see light flashes that are really bright that I think she had originally attributed to like light from the sun filtering through the cloudiness. But then she's shaking her head at me going, that's that's not what it was. It, this was something else, but I don't know what that was. Okay. And then I also get the feeling like from a military perspective, she may have heard them talking about things when talking about certain types of equipment that sounded like the problem is i think we were so early in the game then that like people weren't talking about it a whole lot so it was hard to like conceptually they, what... didn't even, they didn't even no. have an idea of what they were dealing with no this is this is this is way before roswell mm -hmm. type stuff so mm -hmm. i don't i don't think I think they had maybe encountered stuff like that, but I don't even know if they were calling an alien or UFO or, mm -hmm. or I think they would just refer to like space type stuff. And I, I think she overheard stuff, but wasn't quite sure what they were trying to get at. Right. It was kind of veiled. About it. Yeah. It was kind of veiled speaking mm -hmm. like, Hmm. Um, okay. So then what happened on the way to Howland Island? Now, what was Howland Island, just for the audience? I'm sure there so, are, like, two so Amelia Howland, Earhart. Sure. Like, so Howland Island was the next destination. On the last uh, podcast, I mistakenly called it Howard Island. It's Howland Island. <laughs> I put it in our I, – I did put it in our notes. Uh-huh. Um, but Howland Island was – a little island um, out in the middle of the Pacific that had just enough room and just enough clearance for them to land on. Um, mm -hmm. There were, there have been other military groups, I guess had gone in occasionally and set up camp for one reason or another. So it's, it wasn't really occupied, but uh, it, had, it had been cleared for use, basically, is what she's telling me. It had been cleared for use. It was a place that they knew of that they could get to, uh, that they knew roughly the terrain and knew that she could land the plane there. And it was close enough to where she had, because the last place that she had been was Papua New Guinea. And they knew that that she could make it there but if she went any further she'd be really stretching it so uh and it was supposed to go 
from Papua New Guinea to Howland Island and then back to Oakland, which is where she originally took off from to begin that round the world trip. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's what Howland Island was. And unfortunately there was a lot of just weird, crazy stuff happening on the plane. She couldn't make communication with the, uh, I believe it was Coast Guard ship that was there supposing to, to like help them, help guide them to the island. Um, the, it was called the Itasca. So the Itasca could hear her crystal clear. Uh, right. You the, said you, the, you told this story last yeah. time. Yeah. So, so yeah. So they could, is hear there anything we don't know? Clear. So she's, she's made me feel like they had, she's <laughs> waving her hands over the radio going nothing. There was nothing. I couldn't hear anything. I kept making calls to them and nothing, just nothing. And it feels like they thought from, and Fred was good. She trusted Fred and his ability to navigate. That really wasn't her forte. Like she knew enough, but in a situation like that, she really did need somebody who could do the old school you know, sixed in by the stars and the, you know, the horizon line and all of that. She needed somebody who, who was really well schooled in that. And he was very well schooled in that. So she trusted him and was very confused and panicked when neither of them could see anything. Like I, the feeling that I'm getting is like literally nothing. So they have where the gauges are giving them a bearing, a particular bearing of where they're at. And she's trying to relay that nobody is hearing her answering her and they're going back and forth or what they think is going back and forth. She's completely disoriented at this point is what I get. Um, yeah, like she's, She's showing me back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I can feel her anxiety. Like I'm not a nervy broad, but this is causing me like, I know we're in trouble because I can also read the, I can read the fuel gauge (laughs) is what I get. I can read Mm -hmm. that fuel gauge. I know where Mm -hmm. that's at. And I know Mm -hmm. we don't have enough to be doing this back and forth. And Mm -hmm. I'm feeling very antsy and I feel like Fred is saying, no, no, if we keep doing this, you know, they're going to find us. They're going to find us. They'll, they'll be able to spot us and tell us where we're off. And I feel like her instinct. Yeah. The this being the back and forth. Yeah. And I feel like her instinct is there's something. Pick a direction and go there. With the equipment. We just need to stop this business of mucking around. Mm Mm-hmm. And get to where, get to where we're going. And I feel like there's a moment where she's, where she knows we're not, we're really not where we're supposed to be. 
mm-hmm. like this but but there's got to be something out there and i i'm i'm just gonna go and i feel like at some point she kind of ignores fred and shifts direction a little bit and i feel like she see uh mm. that's hard what i feel like i feel like she sees something and she gets excited for a second because she thinks that maybe they're on track and then she realizes that they're really not but she knows she knows she has to she knows she has to land because there's just there's no other alternative it's like well there's a little bit of land down there and uh it doesn't matter if it's where we're supposed to be or not like that's the land that we have and we can't mess around and uh this is where we have to go right and i don't think she ever really understood where they were at exactly because i think at the i think again this is hard because i feel like it's hard for like it's hard for her to go through it again mm-hmm. and i feel like because i'm getting kind of the little bit standoffish about it like you know like what does it matter it's done now mm-hmm. um but it feels like i finally catch a glimpse of something through a clearing and then i realize that there's there's no ship down there this isn't right it's it's not quite oriented the way i was told it was going to be does the picture like it doesn't look like the pictures i was shown this this doesn't look like it and then i see something else that does like jog something for me in my head and now i just i'm i'm resigned to the fact that i now know that this isn't where we're supposed to be at all and i also feel like something else is malfunctioning in the plane at this point like we're like this isn't just landing gear but it was also weird because the that's interesting the other feeling that i got when um when the when she started figuring out that like the instruments weren't quite working correctly when she's internally starting to realize that it's not working correctly that there's a feeling like there's something wrong with the magnetic portion of See, the that's interesting because this whole time this whole time i've been getting like a bermuda triangle vibe triangle. off of it exactly exactly yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, okay. and yeah. and in my head i'm i'm trying to think because i feel like that's what she's bringing through and i'm like was was there talk about the Bermuda Triangle at that? Like, would she have reference to that? I can't remember if 
if that would have been known at that time, I'd have to look it up because I feel like she's referencing it in the back of her head. Like this feels like, like the Bermuda triangle. And I don't know if that was a thing yet that early. I don't know if they had, I don't know if they had figured that out yet, that that was Mm -hmm. kind of a weird thing. But the, the, the feeling that I get is she realizes there is something wrong with the magnetic. And even though she doesn't understand that system as in depth as that other guy did, and, you know, and she doesn't have a super detailed knowledge of that, she's still a pilot and she's a good pilot. And she understands how it works. So the feeling that I get is all of a sudden it settles in my chest and in my gut that mm-hmm. oh this is a magnetic issue there's mm-hmm. something that's not what i was feeling right here so the bermuda triangle didn't really come to be a myth or urban legend until the 1950s um so it's just but it's a reference that we know so it's accessible um although i wonder if that would have been I also would have wondered maybe if it had been talked about maybe in military circles and maybe not in the common, Mm. maybe it hadn't been common knowledge yet, but maybe it had been mentioned that people flying over that area had had issues before she had flown over that, that area before. Mm -hmm. And I feel like she may have been nervous about it. Yeah. She was afraid. It shows she has personal reference. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I feel like I feel like all of a sudden it kind of settled in that oh, this is this is not good. This mm-hmm. isn't good. So, was the crash fated or you know, I kind of in my own mind question if there are accidents. I've had sessions where people have said certain occurrences were not meant to happen and that it was an accident. So I have reason to believe that accidents are a thing. Not everything is fated. As it turns out, there's different timelines and different options for how those timelines collapse or end up. Um, And so my question is, this particular ending to her story, was it supposed to happen this way? Was Was that the most useful ending to her story? I feel like I feel like I'm being presented with two paths. There's this way, mm-hmm. there's this way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she made her peace with the possibility of it going the other way before mm-hmm. she ever took off. Um, I think she felt like it was a possibility, but I also feel like she had gotten so far along in the trip that she was like, I'll be damned. We're going to make it after all. Like, I don't think she felt like it at first. I think she felt like, oh, this is, this is going to not be good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like something, something's going to happen. And I think, I think she thought that initial crash was it. I think she thought, oh, oh, we got through it. (laughs) I I was expecting that to be a whole lot worse. (laughs) Right. Surprise. Well, well, heck, (laughs) if we can make it through that, we can just, you know, saddle on and make it through anything. That's not so bad. We can patch the plane and everything else is hunky-dory. Then we can just, you know, we can just go on. And I feel like 
that moment when she said wait on on the recording that was kind of several fold that was a moment when kind of everything came into into focus in slow motion with her and she realized all the things all at once she saw that timeline collapsing and she knew exactly where it was going to land no pun yeah. intended and right. and knew that it wasn't that it wasn't it wasn't going to work out okay. well for her <laughs> right um so the way it ended what purpose did it serve in the grand scheme of things like from a spiritual perspective what purpose did it serve i feel like she always felt her purpose was to go in and shake things up mm -hmm. like like she needed to do for women what other people had done for you know humankind in general mankind man kind in general of being able to go out and explore and and you know accomplish new things and set new sites and and um find new places and she wanted to do she wanted women to be able to do that because it just felt wrong that well that should be accessible to everybody not just right men and that's that's what i heard while you were answering she was playing back for me the answer she had given to me about social work oh. why she started social work because she had been saying that i wanted the i wanted the people to have the resources that that i had and i also wanted to make sure that young girls knew that they could do anything they wanted to do and yeah by by becoming renowned even though she didn't finish the flight she went down in infamy and the mystery kept that all of her accomplishments alive. Whereas had she not gone down that way, sure. She would have been a footnote in history in terms of um, women doing incredible things, but there is a certain, there's something to be said for a mystery. It keeps people coming back to it over and over and over again. And that keeps that energy alive. I also feel like, okay, this is interesting. So the other thing I felt like happened was that there was an agreement and this, this was kind of part of the, whichever way it goes is whichever way it goes. I feel like there was kind of a crossroads mm -hmm. and I feel like if she had, what I'm seeing is if she had made it, mm -hmm. this kind of would have sealed the deal with, with her, um, military entanglement and they would have really seen her as a force to be reckoned with and would have used her to the fullest extent possible mm -hmm. and that all of the favors that they had done for her to be able for her to accomplish that flight was then going to be turned around it was going to be okay lady pay up mm -hmm. we put all of this forward for you to do we we arranged all the things we put things you know we made it we made it nicer and more comfortable for you to get the things that you wanted to get. And now we mm -hmm. want to return on, on that little investment that we had. And I feel like while she was kind of in flight that the deal was, okay, well, if they're going to suck the life out of me, Mm -hmm. and force me into something I don't want to be forced into well then just end it here because I don't I, I don't want to live 
my life out like that. And that's not, that's not the legacy that I want to leave. And that's not what I, that's not the message that I want women to have is I I don't want them to thinking that you have to bend over backwards and, and sell your soul if you want to be adventurous, because I feel like up until that point, the deals that were being made on her behalf were kind of very small fry in. Well, nobody expected it to really yield anything because she was a woman. Yeah. Yeah. She could fly under that guy. She could use that apparent viewing of her weakness to her advantage. Mm -hmm. But if she actually succeeded, she'd be a force to be reckoned with. And that would put her in an undeniable limelight that would compromise her freedom. And what I heard while you were saying that was this is just the continuation. This was how that rebellious theme played out in her life. It was yet another rebellion, but it was a rebellion not so conscious. It's not like she was like, well, I'm just going to die because the military is going to own my ass if I don't. It was a spiritual rebellion at that point. Because I'm not going to live this life. I didn't come here to be owned by anyone, especially a male-dominated uh, yeah. system. Yeah. So it was the it was the ultimate rebellion was to be like, peace out. <laughs> yeah. Out. And and it continued that energy, that rebellious energy, because when you talk about Amelia Earhart, instead of being this woman who accomplished a whole lot of stuff, sh- there is this sense of rebellion with her. There is this sense of freedom at all costs, adventure at all costs. I'm going to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's more important than having a lifetime of accomplishments. Because after a while, people get used to you accomplishing things and it's no longer a story. And it feels like, so I'm what I'm getting is I just wanted people to know it was possible. Mm-hmm. That you could dream a thing and feel like you want to do a thing and you could go out and do it. Mm-hmm. And make it happen. And it didn't matter if you were a man or a woman. You could just, if that was something you want to do, you could just go out and go. Just go out and do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's very it's very interesting because it's like it's like kind of a, a knowing of, yeah, okay, well, I put it out there. <laughs> It's either going to go one way or it's going to go the other. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like for a long time she felt like, oh, okay, so maybe that's not what they want from me because it seems like I'm flying pretty good. And, you know, everything's (laughs) going pretty smoothly. We -hmm. had that hiccup, but we got through that. That's okay. And then all of a sudden she realizes, oh, yeah, nope. (laughs) Well, damn. (laughs) And that's what I kind of feel like. I feel like at one point it would have been the... Oh, damn. And I think so, she may have, can I feel like, like it didn't, it wasn't an immediate, like there was a crash, but I land. Right. But then there's still a matter of, okay, well, I landed, but that ship isn't here. Right. <laughs> Nothing that's supposed to be here is here. And I don't exactly have, you know, an excess of things hanging out in here because I was supposed to be in Oakland shortly. Right. Right. You know, or, you know, I was supposed to be in Helen Island and then I was going to Oakland. We weren't, you know, it wasn't that kind of trip. So I feel like I don't have provisions to get us through any sort of time 
hanging out in a place where we're not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Especially when I'm unfamiliar with the environment. Right. So, so will we yeah. ever will we ever find the evidence that will point us to the the final truth of the story of what happened? And on that, I get there's some things have already been found. Some things will never be found. And it's really up to if people stick with it. If people stick with it, they'll find what they need to find enough, enough to make, they'll be able to find enough to make a positive um, identification. But she's saying, don't expect to actually find me. Mm. You're not going to find me. Mm-hmm. Or not enough. You won't find enough of me to make, to make that kind of, uh, to make that kind of identification but you'll find stuff mm-hmm. left behind and i don't know that a lot of it's going to be the plane necessarily you i feel like you really gotta you're like you're really gonna have to hunt for it mm-hmm. for well what's left, the one thing, what's the, one left. thing the one thing that's been coming through lately is that your desire to find the answer helps the answer to manifest. Answer to manifest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm sure that, that this is correct. the same. But I wonder if for her, if, if, if there's any unfinished business because of how things ended. No. It's pretty much what I got. <laughs> That's what I picked up on. That, no, was, good. that was like zero hesitation. Right. Nope. I'm good. Because I live, I continue to live through the other people who came after me. And I get to see everything that they're doing. And I get mm-hmm. to see, I still see things right. happening. So from, let's ask, from afar. let's ask about, let's ask about uh, your experience with the Billy Joel song, Down Easter Alexa. First of all, tell oh. everybody what that experience was, because we didn't talk about it on the last episode. This is something that came up after we finished the last yeah. episode. Because it was one of those weird things that, like, sometimes you get something that's so weird that you're like, should I even mention that? Because I don't even know what that is. Yeah, and you don't even know Um, what to do with it at first. No. It's like, what? No, I have no idea what to do with it. Um, And from her, I feel like, like, I left you a treasure map and you followed the clues and you found Mm -hmm. what you needed to find. Mm -hmm. Um, So... When I was watching the documentary that I was watching that kind of spurred all of this in the first place, every time they said the term Lockheed Electra, which was the type of plane that she flew on that last mission, that last flight, all I could hear in my head was the tune of the Billy Joel song, The Down Easter Alexa. Um... And I'm like, I can't sing it unless I have the words in front of me. I'll have to like. <laughs> well, I mean, if anyone's curious, they can go to our Instagram. Yeah. And because uh, I, I used it memory. for. <clears throat> yeah, I used it for uh, our last episode. It's the music for the post for our last episode. So it's on our Instagram and you can hear it there. Yeah. So his thing is, well, I'm on the down Easter Alexa. So every ter- time they said the Lockheed. Electra, I heard that tune. 
in my head <laughs> him saying that like over and over again over and over again every time they mentioned it even a little bit it was that came right in my head and i'm like why why can i not get that freaking billy joel song <laughs> out of my head this is so weird mm-hmm. and um and now i just <laughs> i turn it away and i'm like wait a second i wanted to see that um and so i mentioned it to you because I'm like, okay, I got to know if anything pops up. And usually if something's going to pop up, you'll go, oh, I get a little something off of that. Mm -hmm. And you really didn't get anything off of it, except when I mentioned it to you, that spurred me to actually, it was the first time that I actually went back and looked at the words because I hadn't, it's not a super popular Billy Joel song. So it's not like it's one of the ones that I know by heart. I just knew of it. Um, and I knew roughly what it's about, um, but there were particular phrases and words that popped out. The first one, the first thing was, um, the first dance that says I'm cruising through block Island sound, but what I read was, um, what did I tell you? Uh, long Long Island Island sound. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay well what kind of weird connection would she have had to long island sound and in looking that up i found a really random random article for a guy who was kind of a had a lot of money and was an inventor kind of like a howard hughes type dude i guess that was working on some sort of sub for for military contract that was meant for um to take deep divers down it basically had wheels on it that would move it along um move it along the floor of the ocean and i guess it things didn't work out with the military contract apparently it didn't exactly do what it was supposed to do so they dropped it but then he has this experimental sub that is docked off of long island sound and she hears about it on the day of the, of the like the christening of it or whatever that it's you know uh being made public and they're he's talking about it um and letting the world know basically what he invented and she was there for that and went on the sub with um another friend and dove and she had uh issues with the diving suit that she was given apparently she dove in somebody else's suit who held a record for something that was like a famous diver but it was made for a male diver and so there was something wrong with like the wrist couplings you know what i find funny that every story that we've brought up about amelia Earhart has involved technical difficulties yeah and we've had the worst technical difficulties difficulties, right trying to make this break what okay here's my question though not to fully derail your train of thought, but to fully no. derail your train of thought, 
what is the deal with the Amelia Earhart energy and technical difficulties? I think the deal is that she persevered, that whatever it was, she still kept going. Mm, I feel there's some kind of, I feel there's something there and I don't know what it is. Here's what I'm going to propose. We've been talking now and this show is going to be well over an hour after everything's said and done. Unless I split it into two, which may happen. Well, here's what I'm thinking, though. If we if we make all of this one show and we because I haven't even gotten to my questions and I feel strongly that my questions are the kind of questions that would probably be better for a trance channel because okay. they are spirit side and they will require possibly mm. her connecting with her guides or connecting her guides to us. Mm. Okay. To be answered. And they're deeper. They're they're not, hey, what happened to you? Hey, where did you end up? They're they're about the spiritual aspect of planning that life and all of that. So my okay. proposal to you and to our audience is that we do at some point during this week, we get together and do a shorter trans channel session that we Ooh. put up on Patreon. Okay. As sort of an extended version. And uh, we'll talk about the ins and outs of that. But if you're cool doing that, if you think you can carve out some time to do that this week, it won't be as long as this because I don't have as many questions. They're just a bit deeper and they're more about how all of this works from spirit side when we're planning the lifetime and the ingredients that go into the lifetime, things like that. And I, mm -hmm. I feel like it would work better in a trance situation. So that's what I'm proposing is that we make what we've done today a show. And also on Patreon, we post this as bonus content. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I'll have, to, I'll have to see what I have going on as far as time. We may have to push it. To next week? Uh, yeah. We may have to push back a little bit so I can actually sure. find time for it. But right. yeah, we can do that. Okay, cool. I'm down. That sounds good. All right. So why don't we wrap this up since we've been talking for 8 million years now and everybody's this probably just as tired as we are. <laughs> this is true. And, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> man, it's been pandemonium, but it's been interesting pandemonium, especially when yeah. physical activity begins in your environment. That's when things are really off the chain. So yeah. I'm actually kind of excited about that. And I'm also looking forward to seeing what might happen after we stop recording. And we have our own experiences, if any. We'll, we'll fill you in. Trust me. Yeah. It'll be fodder for Instagram. Uh, yeah. And speaking of Instagram, uh, the week that you hear this, it'll be released on a Thursday. And on Saturday, we have a meetup where you can talk to us. You can ask us questions. If you have more questions about Amelia Earhart uh, and we can connect, of course, we will be happy to ask and answer. And aside from that, uh, we're up on social media. Go hunt us down. Our Patreon has all our links. We're on Instagram. We're on all the things. So come check us out. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. And it's also on all of the episodes. If you go into the show descriptions, you'll find a link that'll take you to our link tree that has absolutely everything that you'd ever want to know about us on there. It does. <laughs> it has all the things. has all the things. So, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess that we will see you next time. <laughs>